y'all, my name is Tori Taylor and welcome to a special bonus episode of For Future Reference. I am thrilled to be talking to you today from our first live studio event at the George Washington University here in Washington, D.C. Um, big shout out to the Graduate School of Political Management for sponsoring today's episode. So this podcast is all about creating space to have real candid conversations about the role that people play in our lives especially the ones who lift us up in professional and personal ways and how they make up the support structures in our lives. It's advice, it's food for thought that you can keep now or you use for future reference. So we are digging in today with our special guest, Megan Whittemore. Um, so you are a graduate of George Washington, both undergrad and graduate school, right? That's right. Nice, nice. Is this your first podcast? This is. Oh, wow. Uh, is this, so I guess it's your first live tape, so mine too. Yep. Nice. Well, Megan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Great. Well, I am very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's always great to be back at GW. As you mentioned, I am a uh, double graduate of both uh, GW at the School of Media and Public Affairs and a graduate of the Graduate School of Political Management uh, and am and actually now back as a adjunct professor at GSPM as well. So love to be back on campus and great to be here with you, also a fellow GSPM alumni. Yes, yes, I was here 2013 to 2015 and I've got to say I got out of my uh, taxi on my way over here and uh, this building is actually right across from the library which was I spent a lot of hours in there so it was a little bit triggering <laughs> um, but it's nice to be back on campus and see so many um, friendly faces so we're gonna dig in today a little bit about how to climb the ladder of politics how to build um, support structures along the way and get some really great stories and insight from you um, a little bit ab about your background so you're currently the chief of staff for US Senator David Perdue and you've been with him since he was elected in the great state of Georgia since 20, uh, 2014 uh, you also served as the press secretary for the House Majority Leader and before your time in politics you actually um, were in communications and was a producer for a national um, cable news uh, network. So uh, we're really excited to dig in both on the political side and also maybe dig in a little bit on the communication side. Uh, you've also received a number of cool recognitions and awards, including uh, being named 30 Under 30 of Rising Stars in Public Relations. Um, so I'm so excited for our listeners to hear all of your great insights. Um, so we've talked throughout this show about mentorship and building networks and how to maximize relationships that you build along the way. Could you just tell me a little bit about your career trajectory and how mentorship and support structures intersected with your trajectory? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think GW had a huge role to play there. Certainly, GW has a unique network uh, that it provides its students. I think the fact that so many people come to GW, like you did, mm -hmm. to be here in the middle of Washington, D.C., uh, to be steps away from the White House, the State Department, uh, and to really be in the middle of all of the action. So I think GW always provided me a great opportunity to jump right in. And mm -hmm. I actually started working, as you mentioned, my background's in broadcast, and I started working full-time while I was at GW. So started as a freelance producer covering politics and really had the benefit of being able to go to class uh, during the day and then also to work full-time 
uh, nights and weekends and, and really pay my dues uh, on the, the broadcast TV side, that was when you know, breaking news would happen or things uh, constantly in the 24-hour news cycle are, are, are still going on. So I was able to work uh, and cover politics and really learn how to tell stories from that mm -hmm. side. Of, of the equation. And GW was a great place to learn that. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to continue on at GSPM. And that's when I made the move to politics full time. Uh, started working on the Hill. And that was in early 2010 when uh, Republicans were in the minority mm -hmm. in the House of Representatives and really was able to take my broadcast background and translate that to the political press side and was a spokesperson for the uh, majority leader when Republicans took over the House in 2010. So, um, and it really all, always came back to relationships, mm -hmm. right? Um, in both news and on the Hill, um, your biggest value add was the relationships you had either with sources or uh, press and certainly that was one of the reasons I think I was hired on the political side of the equation uh, given my contacts with the national media and then GW always offered that network again in my time here at GSPM I was able to really work closely with so many of the professors who lifted me up and were able to kind of not only teach, but really show you what they did in, in their space. So one of my longtime mentors, um, Nancy Boxer, one of my professors at GSPM, she was focused on fundraising at the time, uh, but she really is all about women's empowerment, women's leadership, and I learned so much about fundraising that I never knew I would use until now when I am certainly using it every day as mm -hmm. a chief of staff and, and working um, in the role I have now. Uh, so I constantly talk to Nancy about all things, but she was one of the first people at GSPM who I think really stepped into that leadership role and helped mentor a lot of students um, and always found that GSPM was a place I could come back to, stay connected not only with the professors, but my colleagues who then went on to do a lot of other great things in the world of politics. Mm -hmm. And I even look for a GW or GSPM uh, contact sometimes when I'm hiring or looking for great people yeah. to intern or volunteer. It's always a great pool of people you can kind of have as as you're looking to, to fill the pipeline. Yeah, so to folks that are listening that might be about to enter graduate school or involved in another type of professional network or school, do you have any advice on how to maximize their time either on campus or with that network to make sure that they leave with the type of relationships that they can really utilize like you did later down the road? Yeah, I think the best advice is really to um, continue to follow up and follow through because mm -hmm. certainly everyone is, is constantly uh, moving and taking on new roles and new responsibilities and I think the best way to do that is just always check in with people you know when you get a new job when you move to a different um, uh, role just say you know hey if I can ever be helpful I think that's one of the things is that follow-up and consistency to make sure you're still in the in the network um, and I always find that's also when you pop back up on someone's radar mm -hmm. and you may not know what they're looking for at that moment in time. And it's just a great way to stay connected and keep those relationships fresh. Totally. I think one of the best pieces of advice that I actually got from a professor while I was here um, 
was whenever I walked into a new job or a classroom or you know some type of professional event to try to get every single person's business card and not leave the room until I introduced myself to everyone, uh, which was a little daunting and overwhelming. But you know, especially when we're talking about building a career in our nation's capital, like you said, relationships are so critical. Um, you know, we are on different sides of the aisle. So you're a Republican, I'm a Democrat, and in the chaotic nature <laughs> of politics today, I think we might be the only bipartisan meeting that's happening in Washington, D.C. <laughs> right now. Um, but digging into that a little bit and your experience on Capitol Hill and as a chief of staff, you know, politics is a really tough business. You know, we lose, we win, we fight all the time, and it seems like that can the the partisan nature of our politics politics today could probably make it really difficult to build those relationships across the aisle but i also know a lot happens behind the scenes that we might not see on the front page of the washington post or politico so as a chief of staff how do you think about relationships specifically across the aisle to actually get things done yeah i think that's a great question um, and I will say, I think there's a lot more bipartisanship happening uh, behind the scenes than people realize. Um, that's always been something I've focused on and really, I think, not only getting to know people on both sides of the aisle, but being able to get to know them personally so mm -hmm. that when you do pick up the phone and have an ask or want to get more information, it's not a cold call. It's not like you've never had any interaction before. Um, and I spent a lot of time, especially coming from the communications world, being really mm -hmm. comfortable with that. And for some time actually ran a bipartisan professional organization called the Senate Press Secretaries Association. Um, and it was such a great way to meet all the communicators on the Senate side of the Hill and to really foster that bipartisan interaction on a regular basis. We would host events and networking opportunities, and then really just social uh, opportunities for yeah. people to have a good time and get to know each other, conferences and programming, um, both here in DC and New York, getting uh, outside of, of the nation's capital. And those were great ways to just meet people, to build those relationships, and to build friendships, and mm -hmm. I think now, um, when I took over as a chief of staff, that has just served me so, so much because I do the same thing. Knowing uh, the chiefs of staff uh, on both sides of the aisle really help when you're trying to build consensus, you're trying to get legislation passed, you're looking for people to really come together on an issue, and, and having those relationships is really what's going to make the difference. So I think there's a lot more bipartisanship happening. I know that can be hard to see, as you said, when you, you read the political papers or you watch the cable TV networks these days. But I do think it is happening, and, and we need more of it. And mm -hmm. um, certainly conversations like this always help. Yeah, well, I'm going to take your word for it, and I, I hope that continues. Um, you know, you have a really high profile position in Washington. You know, you are the person in charge for a United States Senator. Can you give us a little peek behind what your day to day looks like in that job? Well, every day is very different. I think that's what makes uh, working on Capitol Hill so unique. And um, certainly for me, my day is trying to stay as focused on the priorities as possible. You know, a United States Senator represents an entire state. In Georgia, we represent 11 million people. And mm -hmm. so there's a lot of diverse interests and stakeholders and um, groups who care deeply about a diverse 
you know, issues, and we have to actually be able to not only respond, but proactively be involved on any given number mm -hmm. of topics on any given day. So our, our jobs are not easy. Uh, again, we are always trying to stay focused on keeping the senator on track, making sure they uh, don't get distracted. Because I mm -hmm. think that's one of the challenges, as you said, not only with the uh, polarization of politics, but also yeah. just the level of noise and how much is happening. Sometimes we have to really stay focused on the policy debates and get back to legislating and funding the government and some of the very basic functions that don't always happen <laughs> yeah, when functions. yeah when a lot of other things get in the way. So my job every day can be really different, but it's it's helping lead a Senate office, manage a, a senator's priorities and, and their portfolio across multiple committees and uh, again a, across a really large state in our case mm -hmm. um, with a lot of uh, a lot of great things that that people really don't get to see, as we said, in, in the media all the time. So a lot of the work happening in committee or behind the scenes, I think our job is also to help educate and communicate those mm -hmm. things that don't always get, get covered on the front page. Right, right. That, that makes a lot of sense. Are there any grounding techniques that you use for yourself? Because you not only have to manage a United States senator and his time, his priorities, but you have a whole staff. How, how large is your staff? So Senate offices are typically a little larger given mm -hmm. that we do cover so much uh, ground. Uh, our staff right now is probably around 45 okay. people, and that's both in our Washington, D.C. office, as well as our state mm -hmm. office and operation. And we have field reps who, who cover all the counties. We actually have 159 counties, which is rather, uh, rather large. So. We have a large staff, mm -hmm. and I travel back and forth like the senator to Georgia quite often. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I think the biggest thing is always to have kind of some some spaces outside of work. And for me, that's always been um, my dance background, and right now it's mostly my yoga uh, oh, practice. Cool. So literally grounding yeah. um, and trying to just escape the day-to-day -day and have some time to decompress. Um, Last year, I was actually able to go on my first yoga retreat uh, to Morocco, wow. and it was a week-long experience, and it was great getting to practice yoga, experience the culture, the food, and really kind of disconnect from mm -hmm. everything else that, that goes on here. Wow, that's that's so neat. One of, one of my favorite parts of having conversations with folks like you is actually kind of un unraveling, you know, what you do to stay grounded and what you do to stay focused and have that mental clarity. We've talked to a lot of leaders and managers on this show that really have to make sure that there is space, you know, intellectual space to make good decisions because the higher you get um, on the ladder, it's not, your, your work is not always judged by how many tasks you can get done in a day, but the quality of your decision making um, and that clarity of mind. And, you know, I wonder, are there, are there anything, any tips or best practices or learnings that you picked up either throughout your career in more entry-level or mid-level jobs or in the classroom here that taught you about how to be a good manager or be a good leader that you think makes you a good chief of staff? I think there's a couple of things. I remember actually early on in my career when I was being interviewed, uh, I was asked, what do you do outside of work? And I thought it was one of the best interview questions that I actually mm -hmm. ask it of everyone mm -hmm. I interview now. Because I think one of the things that we tend to do in politics is 
you know, we take everything very personally. Mm -hmm. uh, as you said, we work hard, we play hard, we fight, we win, we lose. But it is really about having perspective. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important that people have a balance between what they do every day and, and also have maybe something else. As I talked about my yoga practice or, or anything, um, I always wonder, you know, what do you do outside of work, outside of watching C-SPAN? That's mm -hmm. not an acceptable answer. So. Um, <laughs> I think that's one of the things that I learned from a leader who, who interviewed me and, and eventually hired me and I, I try to emulate because I do think that balance is so important. We need to realize that nothing is forever in politics mm -hmm. and we have to have that perspective to make good decisions and to be you know, holistic in our approach. And, and I think that's also how you learn to be a good leader is really just observing good leadership and bad leadership. And there's definitely a mix uh, of both, especially in the world of politics. Right. I, I heard from someone once that they actually learned more from the bad managers and bad bosses that they had um, because they really learned how they did not want to be one day. Are there any moments or pieces of advice that you remember getting early on in your career that you look back on now and you were just like, that is totally right or that was completely wrong? Yeah, it's always hard to pinpoint those specific moments that you get the advice, mm -hmm. uh, but I did remember, and I can't remember who told me this, but I do remember someone once told me, um, always take a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's really stuck with me, especially as a young woman and trying to find your place as a junior staffer in politics. I think you often walk into a meeting, you walk into a large conference room, and it can be somewhat intimidating, mm -hmm. but I think it's really important that you sit at the table and be part of the conversation. I see it a lot still, again, in politics because I don't think you often know where your place is or yeah. where your rank is, um, but it doesn't really matter. Sit at the table, be part mm -hmm. of the conversation. I think that's some of the best advice I got. I just can't remember who gave it to me. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I, I remember being you know, a 20, 21-year-old like in my first couple jobs and walking into meetings that had a lot of really important people in them or um, walking into meetings where like I might have been the youngest person or the only woman and having so much insecurity about that and trying to figure out where was my space in the room. Um, so that, that really resonates. There are probably a lot of people that are listening right now that have aspirations to work in our nation's capital in government and advocacy, maybe to even be a chief of staff or a United States Senator one day. And for folks listening, do you have any advice on things that they can do right now to uh, springboard into a career similar to yours? So the thing I always tell people is there's really not an A to Z path that anyone can take. And, and I think the best advice there is just to follow your own um, course because mm -hmm. everyone's going to get to their, you know, uh, their next job on their own path. And I think too often people really believe, okay, well, I have to start as a staff assistant and work my way up to be an LC and then an, a legislative director. And then that's how you become a mm -hmm. chief of staff. And I'm a great example of someone who did not do any of that. And I, yeah. I didn't start as a staff assistant. I came into the political world uh, with, a, as I said, a, a background in broadcast and then worked my way on the communication side for many years before taking on more of a management role and then running an office. So I think there's just no uh, easy answer to mm -hmm. give somebody advice, but I think it's good to remind folks that everybody's path is gonna be different and not to just feel like you're, you know, 
climbing the, the totem pole the way it might look on paper because I don't think that actually gives people really well-rounded experience. And so I always encourage people to get private sector experience, work on a campaign, work on the Hill, work in an association. I mean, the more diverse your experience, I think the better. And that I also think will make you a better leader in whatever you do. One thing that somebody told me once was that politics was not actually a ladder. It was more like a jungle gym and that there were so many different ways to get to the same place, which was really helpful because I had a similar experience than you did. I didn't start as a staff assistant and then slowly moved up. I kind of jumped around to operations and field organizing and communications. Um, so that was really helpful and kind of provided me a permission structure to like figure out my own path was, you know, you you were in communications and served as a producer. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you figured out t that transition was right for you. And maybe you can give us a little insight to how uh, working in news is different than working in politics. Yes, how different or similar. I think there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of similarities. So I worked in, in TV, um, as I said, getting to cut my teeth and, and really getting to do a little bit of everything, writing, editing, um, producing is one of those kind of utility roles where you have to be a one man or woman band and you have to be able to do it all. So I loved that and I also loved the visual medium and telling stories, but I also learned a lot about working with tough personalities and just really adapting to the way that things work um, you know, some some anchors or some reporters really want things written a certain way or they mm -hmm. want their scripts a certain way or they need, um, you know, more or less background and research than others. And it really taught me how to adapt early on in my yeah. career. Um, so every day I was working with either a different reporter, uh, working with different anchors, and that really helped, I think, serve me well in politics because it's the same thing. We're working mm -hmm. with different personalities, different principles, um, but being able to translate that um, definitely helped me a lot. Yeah, totally. And I, I think we were talking a little bit before the show and you were telling me a little bit of insight about uh, working in news can be pretty cutthroat and pretty intense and it's not always easy to figure out you know, where that support structure or necessarily the easiest path to finding a mentor. And so for folks that are listening that might be in an industry like that, that might be pretty intense or having difficulty finding a support structure or identifying mentorship, were there any best practices or tips that you had from working in an industry like that that you want to give other folks? Well, I was really lucky um, to meet a lot of great people in, in the TV world because um, that's how I made the jump to politics. Going back to the question you asked earlier, I was able to meet um, Dana Perino at a time when she mm. was actually making the opposite jump from the White House, being a previous press secretary, to the broadcast side. Mm. And I got to know her really well, and she's one of those great people, a great connector, um, a mentor to a lot of women like me. And she actually helped make some of my early introductions into the political world and encouraged me to make that jump. And I think that was kind of the uh, jumping off point I needed to know, okay, I can, I can do this political thing full time. And she made some introductions for me that 
um, is how I wound up going to the Hill. And in my mind, I thought, oh, I'll only do this a year or two. I'll figure mm -hmm. it out. Maybe I'll go back to broadcast or TV uh, in the end. And who knows, maybe that'll still happen. But it was great to have someone like her who had been on the political side um, mm -hmm. share what that was like. And she had actually started a program, and I don't know if they still do it, but it was really helpful called Minute Mentoring. And it was kind of mm. the speed dating of mentoring where you got to meet a lot of women in the same kind of uh, environment, but just kind of rotate and share your stories a little bit more quickly uh, yeah. than you might have to go around the room, like you said, and get everyone's business card. But it was a great idea. And it's one of those things that people like Dana have always done so well is just kind of continue to help you build your network and also tell you, you know, hey, I've been on this side of it, the politics mm. side, and now I'm going to broadcasting. And it was it was a great uh, way for me to see kind of the full circle. Yeah, and digging into the term you use, connector, I, I think that so so many relationships in Washington D.C. and in other places are built based on, you know, somebody somewhere knows someone that they can connect you to, and um, or like you have a minute to talk to someone that you really want advice from or want to connect with. How do you? What advice would you give folks who? Um, you know, are being connected with people or want to touch base with someone, but they're so busy and, you know, they want to make the most out of a relationship, but might only have a few minutes. Like, how do they maximize that time? Well, I think that's the key is I think sometimes people take mentorship a little bit too seriously or think it's it's got to be a structured thing. I actually think mentorship is a little bit more um, flexible than that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like Definitely, when you get a chance to connect with someone who um, maybe has a career path that you'd like to emulate or has great advice that you want them to share, try to think about you know, a really pointed question or do your research or your homework so that if you only have a 30-second you know, conversation, what's your elevator pitch? Mm -hmm. you know, what is it that you're looking for? Because sometimes you know, we can't be helpful mentors if we don't know what you're trying to, to do or where are you trying to go from here or what is a problem you're trying to solve. Yeah. Um, so I think try and be specific mm -hmm. and also realize that mentorship doesn't have to be as formal of mm -hmm. a thing um, as signing up for a program where yeah. you get a mentor. Totally. I, I, I love that because it looks different for everybody, right? There are structured formal programs. There are people that you know, there's a teacher you met in high school that maybe you stick with for, you know, the rest of your life and they're a mentorship, they're a mentor during that whole time. Or maybe someone that was a boss for a year of your life, they were a mentor at that time, but maybe you evolve and don't need the same support. So I, I love kind of digging into that word a little bit. You know, um, as you have grown in your career, you know, I'm sure that the mentors or the connectors or the folks that supported you early on, I wonder how some of those relationships have evolved for you. I'm sure the support that you need now as a chief of staff from mentors and folks in your network might be a little different than when you were working in news or a press secretary. Um, how have you thought about kind of the evolution of that guidance and support that you've needed over the years? I think it definitely changes as you develop and as you progress in your career. Um, for me right now, I think the biggest form of uh, mentorship is actually my peers, my mm -hmm. fellow chiefs of staff who I rely on um, to bounce ideas off of, to ask them how they approach things. 
I was really uh, lucky that when I came into this role, um, I would say women chiefs of staff have their own kind of force on the Hill and they really um, support each other. And I was lucky that those are kind of my go-tos now mm -hmm. when there's something we're dealing with, whether it's a staff issue or just a policy question or even just an institutional question. Yeah. It's great to have other women chiefs of staff who either have been doing this longer than I have or who have come at it from a different um, you know, place can really share that kind of advice and feedback. Um, so for me, that's been a great avenue and, and I love that there's actually uh, a growing number of us on the Hill, especially uh, since I think that's something that not many people know, similar mm -hmm. to the bipartisan um, conversation we had earlier. I think there, I counted earlier, I think that there are actually 36 female chiefs of staff currently in the okay. Senate, um, both Republican and Democrat, and I think that's just a great thing and, and I'm proud to be one of the female chiefs of staff helping lead the Senate. That's awesome. I love that. I, I like the visual of all of y'all hanging out and kind of being a force like uh, around Capitol Hill. As you are, as we've had this conversation, you know, we've talked about folks who supported you and kind of the mentorship you've received, but as you've grown in your career, you now mentor others. You're a professor here at the Graduate School of Political Management. I'm sure you have mentoring relationships with your students. How do you think about providing that mentorship back to others now? I definitely think uh, teaching was one of those ways to give back, and I've, I've loved coming back to campus and, and focusing some time um, on teaching, because mm -hmm. I think that's just another thing that makes GSPM so special, is that we actually have professors who are still practicing what they teach, and I think it's what makes our program so unique is, you know, of course we want to be theoretical and, and do all of that really well, but if you can't put it into practice, then you're going to really mm -hmm. struggle uh, in the world of politics. So I think the best thing for me is, especially at GSPM, being able to give someone real-time feedback on something they've written or something they are trying to put together in terms of a presentation is invaluable. Mm -hmm. And that is a great way that, you know, again, if you have or or looking for mentorship, to me, that's what it yeah. really matters, is that kind of feedback that maybe you're not gonna get from your boss or you're, you're gonna use to leverage in a job interview or to change careers or anything like that. So I really focus on giving real feedback and trying to give people that, hopefully what they're looking for, but also something they may not get in the workplace every day. Totally. I, I remember whenever I started at uh, George Washington uh, in, the, in GSPM, it was so cool to have professors that were actually practitioners as well. It, it really took kind of the theoretical side, but paired it with the tactical side of like, this is how I can actually utilize this knowledge today um, in my work and kind of in the future. And so I really love that practical aspect of it. So we ask one closing pod question. If you were gonna grab coffee or a drink or lunch with one of your mentors next week, what is a challenge or some a question that you would uh, approach them with? I think I would ask them, because I've been thinking about this a lot, how would you um, help others celebrate their success? Because mm. I think one of the mm. things we tend not to do so well, uh, especially in politics is, you know, when we do win, uh, we move on to the next thing or the next fight, and mm -hmm. we sometimes forget to celebrate all the success we've yeah. had and, and how we got there. And so I think that's really hard 
to do in any industry, but especially in politics, you kind of move so fast onto the next item. Um, and I think it's, it's hard because a lot of blood, sweat, and tears goes into these uh, policy debates or political campaigns. And sometimes I think it's important to realize how far we've come and then also to be in that moment and celebrate kind of some of the successes we've had. And again, I think that's also hard specifically for women is sometimes mm -hmm. we're just onto the next thing or looking for kind of the next opportunity. Um, and little do we think about all the things that we've accomplished so far. Oh, I uh, kind of want you on the next episode so you can share all the things that you learned from that. I, I couldn't agree more, especially politics. It's so cyclical. Uh, we're just on to the, the next thing. Um, very cool. Well, let us know what your mentor says. <laughs> I think we would all benefit from that from that advice. Um, so thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, this was so interesting, and it was neat to learn a little bit more about your background and you know how you, as a chief of staff, think about mentorship and connecting and that support structure. Megan, thank you so much uh, for your time today. We love talking to you, uh, and I know that our listeners will really enjoy uh, listening to this episode. Uh, and then, again, a special thank you to the Graduate School of Political Management for sponsoring today's episode, and thank you to those of you in the audience who came. Uh, this show was produced by Wonder Media Network, our fantastic production company, uh, and we will talk to you next week. Before we go, I just wanted to shout out the official podcast of the Graduate School of Political Management at George Washington University called Mastering the Room. Mastering the Room features prominent professionals in politics, strategic communications, and advocacy telling their hashtag only at GSPM stories. A master's degree from GSPM enabled them to become masters in their respective fields. These GSPM alumni share their insights on how you can get in the room where it happens and master it as well. As an alum myself, I can personally attest to the smart folks who run this program and the talented professionals they bring on the podcast. It is 100% on my must-listen list for anyone interested in mastering the political game. New episodes drop every Monday. Subscribe to Mastering the Room at gspm.gw.edu or on your favorite podcast platforms.